Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. Welcome back to Life to the Full Podcast. What a beautiful day today. What a beautiful day. <laughs> so this is Armored Up Part 3. Yeah. And if you have not seen 1 and 2, that's okay. We're going. I think I think they're all like individual, right? Uh, segments that... Yeah. It's not like a progression, right? We're raising the concept of armor leadership and daring leadership from Bernabe's Brown's Dare to Lead book. Yep. So if you haven't picked it up, we hope by now you have it. Mm-hmm. We are in page 76, where she draws the list of armor leadership and then the translation to daring leadership. And so far we have looked at driving perfectionism and fostering fear of failure and how that translates to modeling and encouraging healthy striving, empathy, and self-compassion. Then we took a look at working from scarcity and squandering opportunities for joy and recognition, translating that into practicing gratitude and celebrating milestones and victories. And today, as promised, we're going to talk about numbing and how we're going to translate that into daring leadership. Nice. And just to recap, uh, in case you're just jumping in, the difference between armored leadership and daring leadership is armored leadership protects us from being vulnerable. Uh, It is a common confusion that being vulnerable is just telling everyone everything you've ever done, being completely transparent. It is much much different being vulnerable being vulnerable is putting yourself at risk putting yourself out there possibility of getting hurt right being wrong Mm. looking bad looking foolish Um, so armored leadership protects us from that there are strategies that we all use to a greater or lesser degree we need to be aware of these things that keep us from being vulnerable where daring leadership leans into the vulnerability we go for it. We learn how to lead by also being vulnerable. Not necessarily, again, saying everything that we've ever done or being completely transparent with everything that we think, feel, do. But it's different. It, daring leadership is leading from a position of vulnerability. Uh, daring to look weak. Daring to be open about who we really are and with all of our flaws, faults. And everything it takes practice because nobody likes to do that nope <laughs> unless you are a psychopath and you know i think over time you can get used to this you can you can recognize when you want to armor up and you can tell yourself okay i need to i need to be vulnerable here here's an opportunity for me to lead daringly 
to be brave. Yes. But it's not something that I think anyone ever really gets used to. You know, I mean, maybe check back in with us in about 40 more years to see if it gets any easier. Uh, there's only been one person, and that's Jesus. There's only been one person, that's Jesus. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and he said peace after like 35 years or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, are we ready for today? Yes. Should we just dive right in? Please, I always just like to dive in. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to chit-chat or anything? Me. No. I mean, if you want to ask me anything, but I mean, I'm, I get... I'm here for business. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you marry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can take the girl out of the boardroom, but you can't take the boardroom out of the girl. <laughs> here we are. So today we're doing numbing. Okay. This is uh, part another number three in our list. Uh, is number three or number four? Number three. Only number three. Wow, I feel like we've been doing these for a while. Well, I think we're just doing, this is the last one. I, I think maybe we can do one or two more, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, today is numbing. Okay. So when you hear the word numbing, what does that mean to you? I think of when I go to the dentist mm. and my mouth is numb. Wow. And I'm drooling. (laughs) (laughs) I also think about numbing feelings. Um, So if something being so painful that you don't want to talk about, you numb it. You just paralyze it. Mm -hmm. You inject the pause button. Yeah, no, I'm not even going to think about it, talk about it, pray about it. Nothing. Yeah. Kind of like pulling the cord. Pulling the outlet. Oh, wow. Is that is that the right term? Outlet? Yeah, pulling the plug. Pulling the plug, yes. Yep. Disconnecting. You. Connecting. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, numbing feel. It's really, to me, I see it as numbing your feelings. Yeah. Those yeah. wonderful feelings and emotions that, unfortunately, I hear so many people disciple other people to not have. Hmm. Yeah, well, I think... I think numbing could be a good thing okay. in some circumstances. Uh, when I was um, a kid training in a Taekwondo school, mm-hmm. uh, we had what we would call like weekend warriors. They huh. would be like in the boardroom like during the week, but like, you know, when they came to class, they were ready to like rumble. They were ready to like unleash their inner warrior or whatever was inside there. And we had one guy, I think he was like a banker or he was like a nurse or something. And he came to the school and he had just gotten dental work done. (laughs) And uh, he was like a mess. He was in so much pain. And we were like, wow, it must have been like really serious surgery. And he's like, no, it was just like a regular thing. But I told the doctor, no anesthesia. I didn't want anything. I felt everything. (laughs) And he kind of said it like a good thing. And I remember we were all like... That sounds dumb, dude. Like, you should have taken the anesthesia. Like, why wouldn't you? He's like, no. I want it to be like an exercise and toughness. I toughed it out. This is the 80s, right? Yeah, 80s or 90s, you know. We were like... No pain, no gain. And I was like, that sounds horrible. I would I would never do that. I'd be like, you know, like... My, my worst fear is to have, like, some type of surgery or something, like, where they can't numb it. Like, you know, like, if I needed stitches or something. 
you know, like, and they couldn't numb the area. I was like, oh, I'm going to feel the needle going in. And I'd probably just like faint, <laughs> you know, but so I think like, in a, like, you know, numbing anesthesia can be a good thing. I think we would, we would agree, mm-hmm. you know, like if we're getting certain types of surgery, we don't want to feel the doctor cutting us open, cutting into us or like, um, you know, like if we need major surgery, we don't want to be awake for that. I remember I had, um, when I was a little kid, I was pretty wild. So I would kind of run around outside without any shoes on. And nobody stopped me. It's primal. Yeah, nobody like was like, hey, you need to put shoes on. So I'd be running. And it's not like I lived like in the country. Like I lived in Staten Island, New York, <laughs> in the suburbs. So I was running out on like the street and around the corner. And... Didn't you like also like not like to wear shirts? Yeah, all types of crazy stuff. I don't know. I guess I thought I was like... <laughs> little caveman. Yeah, little caveman or something like that. But anyway, so in the course of time, I must have gotten a cut on my foot. And I got a pebble inside my foot. And uh, and it was just there for years, not bothering me. What? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's it started bothering me. And the doctor was kind of like, oh, you have a, you have a rock in your foot. <laughs> you need to... Get this out. How do you not feel that? <laughs> no, I felt it eventually. Oh, wow. You know? And then, so, because my, I had a pebble stuck in it, and somehow it healed over with this pebble still inside. It was like a little pebble. Hmm. But uh, I had to go to the doctor, um, a foot doctor, actually close to where we live now. Huh. And, uh, you know, they numbed the area, so I couldn't feel my foot at all. And I saw them, like, dig into my, like, my foot to get the, it was like, creepy but i couldn't feel anything Mm. uh so that was good (laughs) but even just being being awake for that was like a terrifying experience and the doctor was like super cool about it like hey man what's going on cool yeah (laughs) well he's like digging in my foot and like it was like it was crazy um but yeah so in, in certain situations numbing can be a very good thing yeah you know and i think even like um emotionally i think sometimes taking the edge off can be like okay you know i think sometimes when we fight right like we what yeah it happens <laughs> when we when we get into it yeah you know when you're being stubborn or unreasonable or we get into a fight uh you know and you're like the victim of the fight. Uh, yeah you, oh usually usually I'm so sorry yeah it's okay it's okay i forgive you i forgive you <laughs> hashtag blessed um but you know we get into arguments and, you know, let's be honest, mostly my fault. I think uh, it can be a little bit wise to take some space from the argument to kind of like let the emotions settle down a little bit and then revisit it with a cooler head. Right. Yeah. I've learned this because when we, you know, like I, I want to say I've gotten better at this, you know, but uh, I don't think I'm as bad as I used to be. So when you would get upset and you'd get like very, very emotional. Like I would kind of like lean in and be like, no, you need to deal with it right now. Like, And all I was kept telling you is like, I, I need to step away. Yep. Because it's not going to be good. <laughs> Please unlock the door of the car. I don't think I like Ladies and gentlemen, one time he locked the door. <laughs> And I turned around <laughs> I don't and I remember said, this. James Daniel Zito, <laughs> unlock the door. Wow. I am stepping out. Yeah, we were right in front of my house in Queens. Hmm. Yeah. 
um, yeah. Anyway, that was a way of you leaning in. No, we cannot solve this right now. Yeah. And so I you know I've learned that it's just not good. You know, you need mm-hmm. some time to break to like yeah. cool off a little bit. If you've had a bad day at work, you know, or a, just a bad experience. Well, I've learned how on my timing mm-hmm. um, of not bringing topics up when either you're in a process in the middle of processing something. Um, and I think this came about, uh, I had a meeting with you and somebody else when you were, you had, you were, uh, well, you were facilitating a workshop and, um, I believe it was right after I had picked you up and somebody pointed out to me, you didn't say hi to us. You just went, all right, guys, here's the meeting. And, and I was like, well, I did send an email that we were going to have a powwow after your site, you know, and she had mentioned, well, I don't know if you noticed, but it, like Jimmy was already feeling like down. He wasn't really happy about that day. And, you know, you went right for it. And I was like, whoa. So just like the timing when to bring things up has been mm. something that I'm learning. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I mean, you've said this before. What is it? Kick me one. You're kicking me while I'm down. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm uh-huh. so sorry. Uh-huh. The, 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 the imagery, right? When you say those words, even though it didn't happen, but I actually saw it in my, in my head. I saw you on the floor and me giving you a kick, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I've been learning how, when to bring things up. Because I, I, I'm in the team out want to get resolved right away and i'm not really good on um embracing the tension yeah i want clarity as mm-hmm. soon as possible yeah so yeah no that's that, that's great yeah i think you know um in, in the same type of spirit i think sometimes just learning to you know take little breaks are, are okay i don't think you know like just taking the edge off is all the time indicative of like a huge problem. Like I remember, you know, this might shock you, but I'm very stubborn and uh, <laughs> I don't know when to quit, even when I should quit. Mm. And my mom really helped me this as a kid because I don't know what I was getting frustrated at. Might have been getting frustrated at Legos or something like that. Like they weren't fitting together right. And or she, your Nintendo. Or something. And she would always tell me, well, just, you know, if you're getting frustrated, just stop and just come back to it later. And you'll, you'll probably find the answer after you're, fresher and I, I would i would do that and I, it would always like be true you know mm-hmm. and i've carried that into my adulthood like if i'm really like just not feeling great about a problem i'm facing or something i'm trying to do just learning to take a step back and then come back when i'm refreshed um has been very very helpful so we say all this it kind of sounds like you know we're like pro numbing like <laughs> yay so I, this is where i feel like it becomes a problem I think numbing becomes a problem when it becomes chronic, okay. when it becomes something that we just do over and over and over again. And, you know, this type of numbing is one way that, you know, people have kind of like led themselves into addictions, whether it's being addicted to drugs, alcohol, toxic relationships, whatever it is, TV, right? TV can become an issue. Video games can become an issue. I love playing me some video games. Yes, he does. Right? But if I have like 
stuff that's going wrong in my life and all I want to do is just turn on that video game because I need, I, need, I need a break, but I'm always taking a break and I'm never coming back. That's when it gets bad. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And she's looking at me like, yeah, it does. Because, it, you know, it can happen to all of us. You know, like things can become chronic um, because it's a coping mechanism for dealing with things that are bad. And anyone who has been an addict before, has been addicted to something before, or has been touched by addiction knows this is true. You know, like people kind of lead themselves into these addictions and with things that are, aren't necessarily in, the, in, in and of themselves wrong. Like there's nothing wrong with having a beer or two, right? Mm-hmm. Or having a drink at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where it gets bad is like where it's like it becomes chronic where you're drinking all day. Where you're drinking every day. Where you're drinking like, you know, like constantly. And it's all to like kind of like numb and take the edge off of whatever it is that's going on. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, and I think it makes makes a lot of sense. I think retreat is a natural response to pain. I think we've talked about this before. Uh, but to lean into the pain is like it's strange and unnatural, right? We don't like think of like, okay, how am I going to lead into this? And the brain is kind of like a funny thing or I think people are kind of funny in the sense that, you know, numbing or taking the edge off doesn't have the same consequences as addiction. Right. When we when we have like major addictions in our lives, it's obvious. Wouldn't you say that that's fair, right? It depends where you are. Yeah. Because if you're in denial on your addiction, it's obvious to the rest of the world, but not to you. Yeah, that that's a that's a really good point. So yeah, I was just saying that to say that numbing when it's a problem mm-hmm. is a little like harder to treat and spot than a full blown out addiction. Because if you're like if you're addicted to like like let's say really hard drugs, okay. and you go from like having a job and having a family to all of a sudden you're unemployed, homeless, no family, living on a street, that's major consequence. Sure. You know, or if you can't function, you end up in rehab. You know, those are things that like they're out there. Everyone can see it. Uh, But numbing, I think when numbing becomes a problem and it hasn't really got to the point where it's like a full blown out addiction, um, it can be a lot harder to spot, you know. Uh, But at times it can be a lot even more severe, the long term effects of numbing than like a full blown out addiction. Because if, you know, like you have major consequences Right, if you hit rock bottom, there's really only one way to go, right? Mm-hmm. Up. <laughs> yep, there's really only one way to go up. But if you're numbing, it's kind of just like you're kind of just staying in the same place, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're sinking a little bit, but it's like very, very slowly. Yeah. But overall, your life is kind of just the same. Numbing, in Brene Brown's book, uh, Dare to Lead, this is a direct quote from page 84. She says, numbing or taking the edge off doesn't have the same consequences as addiction, but they are nonetheless severe and life-altering for one reason. We cannot selectively numb emotion. If we numb the dark, we numb the light as well. So she says that to mean, you know, basically, uh, it's not like going to a doctor where they're just going to numb like your foot, like with me. If you're dealing with life through consistently numbing things, 
right? It's like you're taking the, you're taking all the sensitivity out of your mm-hmm. life, out of your soul. Mm-hmm. It it changes you, yeah. you know, and it, I think it takes a, a healing process of stopping the numbing to even be able to feel again. Yeah, I think numbing happens little by little. I think maybe a relationship doesn't go the way we want it to go. Or like, you know, we get really excited about a new job or a new opportunity. And two weeks in, it's just, it's not what we thought it was going to be. You know, so we numb. But when we numb, we miss out on all the good things too. Like maybe our relationships aren't perfect, but there are good things about them as well. Right? But by numbing ourselves to try to protect ourselves... Or maybe like the few things that are really hurting us. Uh, We just don't want to deal with it. We, you know, people ignore things in relationships like for years. Mm -hmm. Right. And so all of a sudden they find that they're different people, you know, and that ultimately a lot of times leads to divorce. Because when a relationship is new and happy and exciting, you know, everything a person does is cute. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh, they get so angry. How cute. Oh, they have no patience when they drive. How adorable. Oh, he's so grumpy. Yeah, he's so grumpy in the morning. <laughs> but like, you know, over the over time, that's like those same things that were like cute yeah. get a little annoying. You know, like uh, I think you didn't realize I was an introvert, <laughs> you know, even when we were dating. And luckily someone pointed it out to you where I think... Yeah. You know, she's like walking me through. He's like, I know. He thought he was the life of the party, you know, out there, and then he's not. I'm mm-hmm. like, yes, yes. How do you, how do you know what I'm feeling? Because <laughs> yeah. I actually know your boyfriend. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was that was really helpful. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think yeah, those things are helpful, and then having you know. You know, dealing with them. Yeah. Like. Accepting them. Accept or a- even asking yourself, is this something I can accept? Exactly. You know. Can I live with this? Can I live with this? Mm-hmm. You know, and not protecting yourself from it. Yeah. You know, because then small problems have a way of becoming big problems. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Jordan Peterson, uh, who some. Dr. Jordan. Dr. Peterson. Jordan Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> I call I call him Jordy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I call Tim Timmy. Yeah, I, I call him Jordy when we hang out in my imagination because gotcha. I've never met the guy. Um, but he's been really powerful for me lately. I've been going through his uh, biblical lectures. Uh, he's a clinical psychologist, Jungian theorist, philosopher, amazing Can- guy. Canadian, so Canadian. he's awesome. We, so I, we love Canadians. We're already biased <laughs> towards Canadians. He has this metaphor of like when we don't deal with things, he imagines like your house, like a, your mind like a house. And all those things kind of go into the basement. Like, I want to forget about this. I don't want to deal with this right now. Yeah. And in the basement, while you're not ignore, while you're not paying attention to them, they grow. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, you're kind of like, you're kind of stuck. Like you're in trouble. Like when you deal with that, it's going to be bad. But the longer it takes for you to deal with it, the bigger and bigger it gets. Mm-hmm. So you might as well just go dive in and just deal with it. And he, he talks about a lot in marriages. Like when he counsels people, he's just like, stop talking to me about the problems you have with your wife. Go have the fight. Go talk to her. You need to do this. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be bad. 
I, she's not going to take it well. You're not going to say it well. You just you need to go do it. Mm. You need to yeah. pull the trigger on it. You need to go go and have the fight. Um, so yeah, the first response to vulnerability and discomfort is not to lean into this comfort and feel our way through, but to make it go away. And we have lots of different coping mechanisms uh, to do this. Alcohol, food, drugs, sex, relationships, work, money. Um, it could be staying busy, constant change, planning, perfectionism, or just you know caretaking, taking care of somebody. So these are all ways that we can you know try and numb whatever it is that we're feeling, hmm. which I thought was it was interesting because I think most people think of, um, and this is from page eighty five of her book. I'm sorry, I didn't quote that, uh, but I think most people think of numbing as uh, yeah yeah I get it alcohol overeating maybe like relationship drama. Uh, drugs, maybe money, spending, like shopaholics, you know, work. I kind of just bury myself in work. But, you know, some of the things that surprised me was like staying busy. Like Mm -hmm. staying busy can be a way of numbing uh, the pain. And then I thought about that because I felt like I know a lot of great people who are are busy, you know. And I I know at times in my life, like I just didn't want to deal with stuff, but I was like so busy. You know, and it kind of kept me from dealing with life. And it was only through stopping being so busy that I was able to, you know, get some relief. Yeah. When you said planning, Mm -hmm. I was like, that's so true. Yeah. Well, you know, even like for myself, like even planning, okay, the whole being proactive, it's great. Mm -hmm. However, when you being proactive about being proactive, problem (laughs) and i i find myself in those situations often Mm -hmm. when i'm like doing whatever it takes not to have a problem the problem's not even here yet you know so it's like you've you've been very helpful in saying we'll cross the bridge when we get there Mm -hmm. right because i'm having a fight about our child that's not here we're not even pregnant people (laughs) (laughs) and uh it's like being proactive about that you know it's like if jimmy's doing something now it's like oh that's gonna reflect when you become a father you know like it's terrible the struggle is real Um, struggle is real yeah 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 so so yeah so that 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 stood out for me obviously the planning yeah, um, I think we're both planners too. Yeah, you know, yeah. I love planning, and I think at times I've, that's what we do for fun. I've planned, <laughs> I've planned my way out of solving problems. You know, like yeah. I've spent a day planning where I really just needed to make one difficult phone call that I totally didn't want to make. Yeah. You know, whether it's a sometimes it's even like you know something with our finances, like I have to call the bank or I have to call the phone company or something. It's like I don't want to deal with like explaining this issue to them. You know, so let me plan out how good it's going to be when I solve the problem instead of actually just going in and solving the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I want to take an opportunity to share something. I don't, I believe I had deleted this from from a previous um, episode. When you take away the the to-do, the busyness, the, the planning um, and all, all those things that we're now talking, um, there's an underlining question that you are not willing to ask yourself or because it's too painful. And when, um, so I'm going to start with this. We had a miscarriage in January. 
We did, yes. When we got pregnant in December, you had mentioned that, wow, I've never seen you completely pull out of the office. Mm-hmm. Like, not there. And now, as you say that, and the reason why it was so easy to do that is because I realized that, A, I went in a journey of nutritional therapy to find out, yeah, why, you know, I wasn't able to lose weight, but at the end, or at the heart was uh, the infertility, right? Like, what's happening? But all that had to do and came from the underlying question is, am I capable of having a child? Hmm. Or even deeper, what's wrong with me? Wow. How come I can't have a child? Yeah. And and so when we did become pregnant, that question was answered. I can. <laughs> kind of like, you know, I know we joked around whatever. Yes, there was a lot of weeping. Yep. But one of the things that you said was like, my dude's work. Yes. <laughs> you know, and um, oh, and it was like, oh, yeah, you're right. My womb did open. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so it's like it's kind of like taking all that out into like being able to ask ourselves those questions because, you know, just recently, as in like, Saturday, yeah, a few days ago, I went to the park. I was met by a woman who's like giving her phone number and her, even her address for a prayer day. And you know, I was and she had written down. I didn't want to take it because you could give it to other people or just like take a picture of this, you know. And she was talking about the power of prayer. And you know, she had she was she stopped for a second. She's like, "You look like a, you. You're a woman of God." And I was like, yes, yes, I am. And and then there was some interruptions with uh, because I had a friend that was waiting for me. But the point being is that I just like told her, I was like, well, do you have paper and pen? Because I want to give you the biggest request I have. And she's like, sure. You know, she took a piece of paper, yellow pad. And, you know, I love yellow pads. So I was like, oh, and pray that God will open my wound again. Hmm. That's at the bottom of yeah. everything that I'm laying on top, right? Wow. Like, and it was so freeing in in a way. And then I, she shook my hand, you know, like we we connected, you know, in in this way. Um, and and yeah, that's the reason why I was able to get out of this office, right? Mm. Um, it's. Do I want to make an impact in the world? Absolutely. But the that secret question is, am I capable of having a child? Yeah. And um, yeah, that's definitely there. And when those things are answered, it's much easier. And I think even now as, you know, we're facing these financial problems that we're currently in, you know, it's like, Okay, so if we take everything out, what is it that you want? And I, yeah. and I know that you just recently answered that question, mm-hmm. too. If everything is taken out, what do you want? Which, you know, hopefully we'll let everybody know what our next steps are yeah. later. Um, mm-hmm. But you answered the question. <laughs> I sure did. Yeah. 
Scary. <laughs> and freeing, right? Yeah. But when we add all these problems and... Because it's never financial. It's right. never It's financial. never. No. It, it's funny. I remember you asked uh, once, you know, hey, could we, could we talk? Mm-hmm. Like about some, you know, like just what do we want? Yeah. And the question really scared me. And I was like, I, I don't have any bandwidth right now to talk to this about you. I'm very busy. And you're like, why? What are you busy with? And I was like, listen, like, this stress isn't going to happen by itself, okay? That's like my full-time job right now. I need to stress about this. And we both laughed, like, you know, and it was, it was like a funny moment. But it was, it was really true. It's like the majority of my time was just being taken up stressing instead of kind of just, you know, starting to ask myself some of the big questions. Yeah. You know, like, and I think at the end of the day that really, it doesn't seem like it's going to help to like go there, to go to the pain. Yeah. Um, but it, it really does. And it makes, it's one of those things that makes everything else easier. Like if you have some tough uh, decisions to make or some tough choices, or if there's like a large amount of work in front of you or a large problem that's stressing you out and taking up all your time, just taking a step back and just, you know, really looking at it. And asking why is that such a big problem and like what does that mean about you? Like what do you what are the underlying issues there that you don't want to underlying questions. Underlying questions. We yeah. all have those mm-hmm. questions. Yeah. Am I enough? Right. Am I okay? Maybe Am I something's worthy wrong with of me. This? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is like perfectionism, which is like mm-hmm. another coping mechanism which we talked about I think it was last time or No, few... episode eighteen. Yeah few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, caretaking for me was kind of like a really shocking one as a coping mechanism. But then when I thought about it, I did think about, you know, I know a lot of people have issues with family members that they still donate a lot of time taking care of them. But they're not actually dealing with, you know, their issues with their parents. You know, and I, I know moments in my life uh, I have, you know, at times prioritized taking care of somebody or taking care of what I perceive to be my responsibilities mm. versus like actually dealing with the relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and I think uh, that that's something I always have to go back to because it's easier for me to do, 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 do than it is to actually, you know, look at things mm-hmm. and talk you know, I don't. I don't come from a family of talkers. Yeah. You know, we didn't really talk about our problems. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was probably the only person who did, but he did like violently and explosively. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't want none of that crazy cake mm-hmm. that you're baking. <laughs> crazy cake. Yeah. Um, no, thank you. Um, and I kind of learned, okay, the proper response is just to like not talk about this, mm-hmm. not really deal with this, and just kind of like just keep trying to be a good person. Yeah. You know, still take care of the need where, you know, it, it did a lot of damage to me. And it's something that I think my first instinct is, okay, what can I do here? Instead of like, okay, what are the, what are the underlying questions that this is bringing up in me? Am I not a good son? Am I not a good person? Am I not a good husband? Am I not a good Christian? Why? What, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Why? Like, why did God make me this way? Mm-hmm. You know, why would God do this? to me. One of the things too that I think 
is so dangerous about numbing, especially when it becomes chronic and it's not something that, you know, is adding anything to our lives, it's just keeping us from, you know, like our lives progressing and getting better and dealing with things. Um, it's like, I kind of call it the labyrinth of numbing. Like if you can picture like your heart or like what's really going on. I was trying to picture myself as like a child, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a vulnerable child that just, you know, doesn't know how to process what's happening to them or what's going on around them. And I think of that as like, like my heart in the center of a labyrinth. What's a labyrinth? A labyrinth is like a huge maze. Yeah. So there's an old story about a minotaur. What is a minotaur? He's a, he's a half man, half bull. Okay. Monster that just is just out of control. And it was like someone's cursed daughter or cursed son or something like that. And in, in an ancient Greek myth, it was placed in the center of a labyrinth because it was too dangerous. And then, you know, people would go looking for this monster and uh, to find treasure or whatever it was. And so they had to like kind of like weave their way into uh, the labyrinth to find that was hidden at the center of the labyrinth but people would get lost in the labyrinth and then they would get eaten by the minotaur so what 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 happened in the story is that there was like a strand like a yarn that they would kind of like leave at the beginning of the labyrinth and then they would like let it spool out behind them so they could follow that string back out of the labyrinth and then you know what our word for clue, like, you know, oh, I need some clues to figure out this mystery, mm-hmm. actually comes from that word that means yarn or string mm. from that from that ancient story, which I thought was very interesting. It's cool. Yeah. But anyway, so I think of it as a labyrinth of numbing. I think, like, every time, like, we choose to, to numb, it just puts up another wall, another part of the maze, and so it gets, like, harder and harder to really figure out what's in the center. And I think this used to drive you crazy uh, when we were first getting to know each other because you didn't believe me. Like, you'd be like, just tell me how you feel. Tell me what's wrong. (laughs) And I'd be like, dude, I just don't know. (laughs) And you'd be like, how could you not know? (laughs) You know, but after years of kind of just coping with life instead of dealing with things... I had set up all these like walls, and if I was going to be completely honest, I I don't I didn't know what the big questions were for me. I didn't know what the underlying issues were for me. They were all trapped somewhere deep in this labyrinth, mm-hmm. in this maze. Mm-hmm. And to go into that, I was going to have to experience a lot of pain. So what's easier than experiencing a lot of pain? <laughs> Build more walls. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? You know. Uh, yeah, I think the, some of the biggest drivers uh, for numbing are vulnerability, uh, resentment, and anxiety. Hmm. So when we're feeling vulnerable, we're feeling, okay, like I could get hurt here. We just want to numb. Uh, when we're feeling resentment, okay, I just, you know, and resentment comes usually from something that happened that we haven't dealt with that we're, we're holding on to. And anxiety, just feeling like overall anxious. You know, and I think the cure for numbing is developing tools and practices that allow you to lean into the discomfort and renew your spirit. What do I mean by that? Um, I think 
there's one way that you can hear something about like a, an episode like this about numbing where you're like okay i'm just gonna deal with everything <laughs> that ha- i've been neglecting this is probably my approach <laughs> you know i wake up one day and i'm like i'm done with this i'm gonna solve all my problems today mm-hmm. i'm gonna block out the time it should take me no more than an hour i'm gonna deal with all of my issues it's like babe let's uh, plan the week Sure, let's plan our life. <laughs> no, honey, I meant like the week. Actual things that have come out of my mouth. Yeah, it's like I don't want to just plan my week. I don't want to just plan. I want to plan like five-year goals, 10-year goals, 20-year goals. I want to know where I'm going to be when I'm 80, right? Crazy, crazy talk. Um, but instead, just the concept, okay, how can we lean into this discomfort a little bit and at the same time re- take time out to renew our spirit? Yes. All right, so we're going to learn how to lean into dis- lean into discomfort and renew our sp- renew our spirit. Okay. All right. So first, and then this again, this comes from her book. I'm trying to apply it to myself and to uh, Christianity and church. Um, when we're feeling that edge, instead of asking ourselves, "What's the quickest way to make the feelings go away?" You get curious and you ask, "What are these feelings?" And where did they come from? So you just try and get some space from it in a sense, but yeah. you're still like looking at it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and uh, it made me think of Proverbs 23 and 24. Um, because I think, you know, for me, this is a scripture that as a, as a man, as a brother, uh, it was something that was preached, not preached, but this was like taught to me, like for specifically to avoid adultery or to avoid immorality and to avoid getting drunk. Well, it's a lot in one scripture. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's Proverbs 23 uh, and 24. And, uh, you know, there's warnings against adultery and there's warnings against uh, drinking too much wine, you know? And uh, if. You go down all the way to the end. It says, they hit me, you will say, but I am not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. When will I wake up so I can find another drink? And so that's kind of like a portrait of addiction right there. Um, and, you know, and we would look at that and we'd be like, okay, like, you know, like this is some of the consequences of, you know, getting drunk. This is why getting drunk is bad. <clears throat> and it would be like, you know, similar looking at, you know, the scriptures on adultery. Um, but you know, it's not just drinking about, it's not just about drinking and adultery. Mm-hmm. If you take it deeper, you know, this whole thing is couched in, you know, wisdom, you know, and learning how to be wise and just seeing some of these underlying issues. Mm-hmm. So that's the first step. Get curious, kind of look at it. Don't just see the problem. Just don't see, okay, like in this case, what it is that I'm going through, but trying to look at the underlying issues. Like, why am I engaging in these coping mechanisms? It's it's never just about the coping mechanisms. Right. Right, you know, because we can be like, oh, okay, my cope, like, the problem is I'm too busy. I just need to stop being busy. You know, I think sometimes people can misunderstand um, language coaching and life coaching like that. They're like, oh, they're just going to tell me I'm too busy. I can't... Uh, no, no one can tell me that. I'm, I got to do all this stuff. It's not just about being too busy. It's about what's going on underneath that's causing you to be too busy. 
right? Being an alcoholic is never just about alcohol. It's about whatever is going inside that you're not wanting to deal with. Mm-hmm. So going deeper. Number two, figure out what brings you real comfort and renewal, not just numbing. Because we deserve real comfort. Hmm. And she has this concept of what she calls shadow comforts versus like real comforts. And, um, she, you know, you can recognize if something is a shadow comfort because it's never enough. You just want more of it. So I think one for me could be like, you know, scrolling on the TikTok, <laughs> right? Or the Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. When I when I spend any time, I don't even want to say how much I've spent on these platforms before, I don't leave them feeling great about myself. I don't leave them feeling refreshed or renewed. I, I leave them feeling just as tired as when I started it, mm-hmm. right? Because they're like shadow comforts. They're not really adding anything. Um, but then thinking about, okay, what does give you like real comfort and try and do more of that, right? And I think it's a little dangerous because they could also become coping mechanisms too. But it's just like, okay, like what, what brings me real comfort? Maybe doing some yoga. Does yoga make me feel refreshed and ready to take on different challenges? Does spending time with my significant other, you know, having a nice meal or talking, um, does, you know, spending time with my kids, just going for a walk, does that help renew my soul? Um, so yeah, so those are the two ways, getting curious and then looking for some real comfort. And um, so the idea of, you know, learning from really taking time out to renew your soul made me think of Proverbs 4 verses 18 to 19 and it says the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn shining ever brighter to the full light of day but the way of the wicked is like deep darkness they do not know what makes them stumble and so i I love that idea because it's it's kind of like paints the portrait of you know just being in deep darkness like you're just doing things for the sake of doing them. You're keeping yourself from, you know, really feeling, really dealing with life. You're, you're numbing in these different ways, right? Either just full-blown out addiction, taking the edge off. And it becomes like this deep darkness that you don't even know why things are so hard. You don't even know why things aren't getting better, right? Why things are just staying the same, right? Because that's what happens when we numb too much. Things kind of just stay the same. Uh, versus... The other path where it's like it gets brighter and brighter. Like the more you learn to lean in and refresh your soul so that you can keep leaning in, you know, things will actually really get better. They're not going to get all better all at once, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, like a crazy person would think, like myself. Uh, but over time, like those little, those little moments will add up. Those little moments of facing reality, facing down those demons, facing the darkness makes things a little bit brighter. A little bit brighter until it's like the scripture says it's like the full light of day i know that you've been talking about like uh you want to deal with all of them like a crazy person yeah totally <laughs> I, I think that it's um it's a lot of us especially a lot of christians because it's again that fe- fear of 
being in the darkness or sinning and if we do this then we're gonna go to hell <laughs> yeah um and unfortunately that part just makes me so sad right and i know that we're gonna be talking about more about heaven on earth um i'm not sure in which episode um i know we currently are redirecting people to the bible project it does such an amazing job with their heaven and earth series Totally, yeah. um, and I know that this has been personal conversations having with friends where that whole concept is um, very hard to swallow, even see. But a, a lot of the things that we do can come from if I don't do this, I'm going to hell. Mm-hmm. But if I do this, I'm going to go to heaven. Right. And that is so dangerous. This is where we live in this armor leadership. It's mm, great. And we're we're pushing forward to going going back to all the things in daring leadership, where it's that that empathy, that self compassion, the gratitude, the celebrating the small victories. And what I've heard from this episode, uh, lastly, is finding real comfort versus shadow comfort. Yeah. Uh, and I know in the book it says uh, also setting boundaries. What did you mean by that? Yeah, I think um, when most people hear boundaries and, and setting them, I think they hear, yeah, I have to just tell people no. Mm-hmm. I have to learn how to, uh, you know set my schedule, set my plan, and then like when someone comes and asks me something, I, I have to learn how to say no. Mm-hmm. Where I think boundaries are more of understanding that um, we're, we're different than the worst things we've ever done. We're different than the worst things we've done. Yeah, I think people, like I think when, one of the reasons why it's so tempting to numb these things is because we identify... Uh, like some of this stuff is like our actual reality. I see. So separating. So yeah. boundary meaning separating. Mm-hmm. Like like when you said earlier in number one, get curious. What are these feelings? Where yep. do they come from? Versus why am I feeling this way? Exactly. And why do I always have them? Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So I think that's like, that's an important distinction. Because mm-hmm. I think you get could it. be... You know, you can be super regimented with your schedule mm-hmm. and you can think, yeah, I, I have great boundaries, but just be out of control with your boundaries because you're not you're not doing that for yourself. You're not separating. Like, for instance, if uh, you have a problem with a family member or um, a person, spouse, child, whoever, it becomes like your identity, that problem, instead of it just like being able to look at it objectively and see okay like what what's really going on here does that make more sense so setting boundaries is more about looking at things more objectively is that or separating why you're doing that like finding the underlying question or the issue yeah in a sense yeah i think it could be like a deeper issue too it's you know understanding that god made you good oh i see god made you perfect in a sense Uh i know we don't like saying that um, but yeah, God doesn't make junk colloquially. Uh, he, you know, he made you to be good and that sin is something like outside, like what God says to, you know, Cain before he kills his brother, Abel, sin desires to have you. 
It's crouching at your door, but you must master it. You know, that idea that, like, you know, our sin or our state of sin, the, the issues that we have inside of us, um, they're not us. They're not the same as us. God didn't make us to be sinners. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might be in a state of sin or sin might be with us, but that's not us. And just putting that little bit of separation, that nice, healthy boundary, that th- that's not me. It gives you the freedom to be able to look at it and confront it and, you know, in a sense, to be its master. Which is different than when people say that's Satan. Yeah. That's dangerous. It's different than saying that Satan... Uh, and First of all, it's the Satan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could clip that uh, video from the Bible Project. Right. Um, because when you say that, it you, there is no responsibility of setting that boundary yourself and asking yourself those deeper questions. Mm-hmm. And you just throw it off. That's, 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 that's Satan in my thoughts. Yeah. And I've heard that. I've actually it's been not, not so much of an argument, but it's just different beliefs around that. Sure, and now yeah. that I'm learning more, especially, um, you know, when when it comes to like evil forces, the Satan and um, what's a council? What's it called? Um, the, the divine council the divine council you know the host of heaven the host of, oh goodness you know so it's like because we could just like shift completely mm-hmm. so setting boundaries and recap that's what i'm hearing it's being able to separate um yourself from the state of sin yeah okay and uh, and how that's much better than numbing and not dealing with it at mm-hmm. all, yeah. or blaming Satan. Yeah. So uh, to wrap it all up, uh, you know, armored leadership uh, is numbing. Numbing can get out of control. It can keep our lives in the same place or, you know, slowly begin to sink our lives mm-hmm. as we don't deal with these issues. We don't deal with the big questions. Uh, you know, they just kind of get bigger and bigger and bigger until they kind of grow out of control. And the solution for that is sending, setting boundaries and finding real comfort. It's learning how to lean in to the discomfort, right, by setting appropriate boundaries to understanding that, you know, Sin isn't like people's truth. Like, you know, like if someone has done something to hurt you, uh, they're not like hurtful monsters. There's a, there's a person behind there. And, you know, conversely, same thing with you. When you do stuff that disappoint you, um, that's just, that's not your reality. That's just something that happened. Mm-hmm. Or that's something that you did. Or it's a question that you're wrestling with. Uh, so it's just, you know, understanding that, setting appropriate boundaries and then finding real comfort, like looking for things that don't just numb you, don't keep you from, you know, dealing with life, dealing with these things, but things that really renew your spirit. Maybe that's drawing, maybe that's painting, maybe that's walking, maybe that's yoga. Uh, maybe it's, you know, having a great conversation with somebody. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's music. Music make me lose control. Sorry, had to go there. Uh, so, Yeah. It's finding real comfort, not shadow comforts that kind of just leave you wanting more. I'm 
with that, I'm gonna go and have a cuddle dark chocolate ice cream. Woo! <laughs> all right. Well, this I'm using as a reward. We've been recording all week. We have more and more to go, and we're all set for the summer. Woo, 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 woo. So I just want to thank everyone again, uh, those who have been um, with us since episode one and in the journey with us. Uh, some of you guys are calling and texting. Some, we have no idea who you are, and I know the majority are in Staten Island. Again, we live in Staten Island. Please reach out to us. Um, our website is www.ysuperstars slash life to the full podcast we're also on instagram at y superstars and facebook as well please connect with us thank you for joining us in this journey and during our season of increasing our vulnerability we'll see you guys next week and as always adios muchachas and muchachos (laughs) 